Hey, good morning. This is Joanne Dyes. I'm the Vice President of Global Sales and Operation Planning for Stanley Rack and Decker. And on the line with me is Sean Barker, who is the Assistant Executive Director of Shingo. Good morning. Thank you for that, Joanne. And welcome to Joanne Dyes and Sean Barker and the, the Shingo team. Uh, and welcome to our audience, uh, to our latest installment of the APIC Southeast District webinar series. My name is Scott Luton. I'm a staff member with APIC Southeast District, your host for today's session. Our staff supports over 30 Southeastern APIC chapters and their collective members, including offering professional development opportunities such as today's webinar. Our session today is going to focus on the Shingo assessment, which is closely associated with the prestigious Shingo Prize. We have two exceptional guest speakers today, which have introduced themselves. Miss um, Joanne Dyes, VP of Global Sales and Operations Planning at Stanley Black & Decker, and Mr. Sean Barker, Assistant Executive Director at the Shingo Institute. So we're going to share more about both of our speakers in just a moment. But as always, we're glad that you've chosen to join us here today. So let's tackle our ground rules. All attendees will be on mute as we're looking to optimize the audio experience. Now, with that said, let's make it as interactive as possible. So please do submit your questions via the chat toolbar. We'll answer as many as we have time for at the conclusion of today's session. Finally, a PDF of today's presentation and the recording will be sent out uh, later to each of our registrants here today. Okay, as I've mentioned, APIX is your host for today's webinar. For those of you new to APIX, we are the premier industry association dedicated to end-to-end -end supply chain management. Our organization offers membership and professional development, a plethora of education opportunities, industry-leading research and publications, and widely recognized professional certifications. But more than anything else, APIX is about people. Our organization has over 45,000 members in over 100 countries. APIX has 195 North American chapters that serve a wide variety of key geographic markets. You may recognize our leading certifications such as our CPIM, our CSCP, and our newer CLTD. If you want more information on how we can serve you or your organization, please feel free to reach out to APIX directly or those of us on the APIX Southeast District staff. We are happy to help. So as I mentioned, we have two great speakers today. It's going to uh, shed some light on the Shingo assessment. Let me share a little background information around uh, both Joanne Dice and Sean Barker. Uh, Joanne Dice currently serves as Vice President of Global Sales and Operations Planning at Stanley Black & Decker. She is also President and a Senior Consultant at Brightside Alliance. Ms. Dice serves as a Shingo Lead Examiner and has extensive experience in the automotive, aerospace, electronics, industrial, medical devices, and pharmaceutical industries, all of which enable her to articulate lean concepts and principles at all levels in all areas of business. Academically, Joanne holds a bachelor's in industrial technology from State University College at Buffalo. She holds a Harvard Business Micro MBA certification from SUNY Buffalo. And finally, Joanne also holds an executive leadership program certificate from Thunderbird School of Global Management. We're also joined today by Sean Barker, who has served as the executive, uh, I'm sorry, as the assistant executive director for the Shingo Institute since 2001. Sean is responsible for the assessment value stream and its pool of approximately 160 examiners from industries around the world. He has personally participated in dozens of comprehensive site assessment visits 
to business and government organizations worldwide that have challenged for the Shingo Prize. Academically, Sean earned a bachelor's degree in marketing with a minor in economics from Utah State University, and he also holds an MBA from the same organization. Having grown up in the Philippines, Sean has spent almost 15 years in a variety of leadership roles, particularly in the retail industry, where he has had P&L responsibility for multi-million dollar operations. Now, with that said, we're going to turn it over to Joanne and Sean. Good morning, everyone, and um, thank thank you for uh, joining in today. Um, it's a, it's a pleasure to come to you from uh, Utah State University and from the Shingo Institute, and thank thank you, Scott, for for hosting this, and and Joanne for your willingness uh, uh, to to be on uh, today's call um, and that, and um, thank thank you for those introductions. Um, I thought it was really important that, that Joanne be on this call because Joanne is one of our team leads and has been for a long time and has been on visits all over the world uh, for the Shingo Institute, working working with teams from uh, from all different uh, disciplines. Um, so you can get some some firsthand um, responses to the questions uh, that that you might have. There's there's many many things that Joanne and I could talk about. Out, um, as it deals with the Institute. But for today, um, we're here to talk specifically um, about uh, the assessment process. And there'll probably be some other um, sidebar questions that, that will come along. And um, I'm sure we'll have, we'll have fun answering those too. So, so let's kind of start out uh, with talking a little bit about where organizations are at uh, uh, before they uh, come to the institute for an assessment, and and why they why they might look at that. And and Joanne, uh, as usual, um, with most of the things we do together, please please add in, um, you know, whenever you'd like to. And and we'll truly make this a a discussion um, about what we do here at the institute. But you know, one of the questions um, an organization always asks us is, you know, at, at what point should we challenge and that's always an interesting question uh, because it's one it's very difficult for us to answer in most cases because we don't know the maturity level of the we don't know the maturity level of the organization that's asking the question um, because if, if you might uh, just think of your own organization or organizations that you've worked with uh, they they might come to us and say, you know, we've been on the journey for 15 years or 10 years or 20 years. Um, and, and to be honest, even with that knowledge, it doesn't tell us a whole lot about the organization because we don't know uh, what they've been doing for 10, 15 or 20 years. So it's very difficult uh, with only that piece of information to, to judge where an organization might be at. And, and that's, that's why we have the workshops um, that we have, and I'll um, just briefly talk about those. But we, we encourage organizations to go through that because they can then begin to look at their own organization and based on the Shingo model, begin to decide where their organization is at by assessing themselves, looking at them themselves through the, through the lens of, of the Shingo model model and then it then we begin to speak the same language um, and and that's why um, we we have those those workshops out there so so when they come to us uh, we first off uh, let me say we have 
two different um, assessments that we do. Um, one is the, the on-site assessment, and the on-site assessment, as Scott mentioned earlier, um, is related to the Shingo Prize. So we, we only do the on-site assessment from the Shingo Institute as it relates to a challenge for the prize. Um, so, uh, and this information is all contained in the um, Shingo application guidelines that you can get from our website, shingo.org, um, and it's, it's available in detail. Uh, but Joanna, Joanna and I are gonna, gonna cover kind of from that point uh, that an organization applies for the prize. So remember that there are years and years of, of work that go on uh, beforehand um, within the organization um, before they apply. Um, once they apply uh, for the prize, um, then, we, then the process actually begins uh, for us. Um, some, some people apply uh, a year before they actually want to turn in um, all of the documentation and that for the application. Uh, some apply sooner than that, meaning they, they get in touch with us, we, we begin to go through the process, um, we begin to, to talk with the organization about where they're at um, and, and the things that they might do um, in the process to have it flow more smoothly. That is our role here at the Shingo Institute, is we're here to answer all those questions, to help them put their best foot forward through, through the entire process. But the first thing they do is turn in the, the application. And, and the application uh, talks about, it has a two-page profile sheet about, that is specifically laid out to tell us what that organization does, um, how long, um, and they've been on the journey and some of the things that they have accomplished um, on that journey. Along with that comes a minimum of three years of um, measurements and data. Um, again, those are all listed out um, in the application guidelines um, as to what type of data that we want. But, but when that data comes to, to us, we, we look at that data to make sure that um, they have something in each one of the categories, um, and the categories are, are typical to those that, that you might think of. We've got quality, cost, and delivery, um, and morale measures, and safety measures, and all these types of measures uh, that come in, because we want to make sure that they have enough for examiners to look at. So it's a minimum of three years, but again, I want to specify that that's a minimum, uh, because we want folks to include uh, enough data that will tell their story. So sometimes that's five or seven years um, of data. Uh, but we want to be able to look at it and see how, how stable the transformation is um, and how that's been, been moving along. Um, so once, once we uh, look at that and make sure that, that we have enough data, uh, again, at this point, it's not analyzed because that work is done uh, by our examination teams, but we just make sure that, that there's enough uh, for the examination teams to be able to, to do the job um, of looking at the achievement report. Um, then we also make sure that, uh, that they have gone to some of the workshops so that they understand um, our assessment process and what we would be looking at 
because it's very different uh, from from many that they might be familiar with. So we want to make sure that that they know the the types of questions that we'll be asking and um, you know what we're looking for specifically uh, when it comes to behaviors and the principles of the of the Shingo model and you know that we're not looking for specifically the Shingo model. We're looking for how they have embedded uh, these principles and these behaviors um, into their current structure um, of how they have been moving their, their transformation along. And I don't know, is there anything you wanted to add to that, uh, Joanne? But before I continue on, I just want to make sure I'm not um, dominating the conversation here, so to speak. No, not not at all. And and you know, people always ask, how do we know if we're ready to apply? I, being on both sides of the house, so having gone into businesses around the world and and taking a look at where they are and having those conversations, we were also one conversation ten years ago that actually applied. And part of the journey that you have is actually going through the application and looking at everything holistically. That you go through a lot of discoveries as well. So. Don't necessarily think you've got to be seven years on your journey in order to put an application in. The reality is you've got to look at where you where you were and where you're going and have you taken these principles and, and put any of them into play to be able to say, how do we tell our story? And that's, as Sean says, that's, that's what we're looking at. There is no right or wrong. It's tell us a story and we'll look at it and peel the onion for you and give you tons of feedback when you get done as well. Yeah, and that's 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 an that's a, a really important uh, part of it because uh, again, with with the information that we get, it's it's hard to it's hard to answer the question until we get the information about where where people are uh, on their journey. Some people, um, you know, they have a very robust, or I should say, some organizations have a very robust process. Um, of how they bring a facility up uh, and on board and 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 others you know have begun the journey and it and it takes a little bit longer so um, yeah that's that's an important part joanne it it may take an organization five years it may take them ten uh, we don't know, but once we get this information in we be, we can begin to um, assess that and begin to to look at that. So, so once that application documentation uh, comes into us, uh, along with the um, profile sheet uh, and the measures, uh, it it takes us a couple weeks to to look at that and get back with the organization. And we call this the eligibility phase. So we want to make sure they're eligible um, to apply. And 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 what would uh, that look like for somebody to not be eligible? Well, we look at all. Uh, parts of the application. Uh, sometimes they come to us, for example, um, if you were to look at an entire hospital. Well, an entire hospital would be, on, would be beyond our ability to assess in most cases um, at this point in time because there's so many different parts um, of a hospital with our current uh, way that we uh, go in and do an on-site assessment. Um, we we probably would not be able to accomplish that. The same is true with a very large enterprise. So we look at, do we have the right piece of the enterprise? Do we have enough of it so that it is beneficial to the organization that's applying? Because in the end, uh, that's that's what's most important to us is that we make sure that whatever we're assessing is of, of great customer value uh, to the organization 
with the feedback that uh, Joanne talked about uh, hey, that, that is the, the outcome. Sean, we've got a question from Sumir. Uh, oh, okay. You were asking earlier around the data required, I think you mentioned five to seven years. Samir asks, uh, what do you often find may be lacking from a data perspective? Uh, a lot, well, what we look at uh, from, from the data perspective when it first comes in, I mean, we do look at uh, some of the trends and the levels. Um, you know, some of the difficulties of organizations, um, of, of course, is that, um, you know, when they when they turn data in, they they worry about, um, you know, confidentiality of data, all of and I'll just address that now. All of our examiners sign a conflict of interest and a confidentiality form and the data is is never looked at examiners until they are approved uh, by the organization. I think that's a very important part for people to to understand is that they approve uh, the teams that look at the data they improve teams that come on site they uh, the organization ap approves all of those we get we give uh, full transparency um, to all of that beforehand um, so that that's an important part but so when we look at the data um, some some of the things we begin to look at is um, because we want them to write their best story, we want to make sure that we understand all of the data. So, so I spend a lot of my time on, on calls with organizations to ask about peaks and valleys and instability um, in data. For example, if, if you were to look at, let's just say uh, we're looking at a first-time quality um, uh, chart from, from an organization and it's bouncing all over the place, then there may be good reasons for that. Uh, you know, for example, um, the the reasoning may be that they're introducing a lot of new products, and some of that might be expected. Expected. The question is, how quickly can they begin to reduce those fluctuations so that it comes under control? In other words, to say that um, you know over a extended period that well these spikes and these peaks and valleys are caused because we have a new product introduction. We understand that and all examiners would understand that. The question is, is that an excuse used, meaning nothing is done about that because we accept that? Or are we constantly working to reduce the variation in those peaks and valleys because we understand that the ideal situation is that we don't have any? Just because we introduce a new product doesn't mean that we accept those quality uh, variations. So, so those those would that would be an example of of some of the things we might see. Uh, we might look at uh, you know uh, inventory turns the same way on on seasonal products um, or on spikes in uh, demand and and those type of things. Um, you know, but um, those are the things that that we're looking for. Um, you know, when, especially when, when those get to the examiner stage. So we want to make sure when we initially get them in that those type of explanations are offered so that the examiner knows what they're looking at and knows how the organization looks at those measures that they're looking at. Sometimes, uh, as, as you can imagine, you know, a graph is a graph, but without the explanation behind it and how they measure it. The other thing that commonly happens um, is, is organizations change um, how they measure things. 
And some of the, sometimes that's very appropriate because they find out that what they're measuring doesn't really give them the, the information that they need to be able to react to their uh, organization quickly. So they change how they measure things. Very appropriate in some cases, but it may mean that they only have two years of measures in one measurement, but they may have supporting measures um, that can show why they changed it. And by, by telling their story about why they changed it, that gives us further insight into how the organization thinks and behaves um, about certain things. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, Joanne, did you have anything you wanted to add to that as, as it comes to measurements? And Yeah, and, and as we look through this, you know, you supply what your company looks at today. And as Sean says, in the questions that he asked, he's looking to see that you learned something. You didn't just follow the metric because that's the metric and that's how you report out. And as they can see that journey, that, that gives the organization an idea on whether you're on the journey or you're just doing a task. And then that changes, obviously, everything. Yeah, so, yeah, good good point. So that it's all about telling the story and being able to convey to the examiners that will be reading a report um, how the organization thinks and behaves. Um, uh, about those measures. I hope that's answered the question. That, and please, if it if it hasn't, please bring up more questions about that because it's a great conversation um, uh, about measures and about um, you know how to best show measures. And we've we've provided a lot of guidance um, in the application guidelines and and even to the point where we have um, uh, some highly uh, suggested measures because these tend to be the measures that that tell the story best and then there's of course supporting metrics that, that can be uh, provided um, so great great question and don't, and don't forget that Sean is just talking about right now the the initial phase this is before you've even written your achievement report so what you know what questions comes back come back from the organization to you Take that into consideration when you're writing your report so that you are truly telling the story and people can follow the path. Exactly. So so that so that process is done pretty quickly. Within within a couple weeks, um, you know, we we determine the eligibility. Um, uh, again, realize that that a company can do this at any point, and there's there's no there's no funds at at this point. There's no uh, fees at this point. So if an organization, um, I highly encourage organizations that if they want to challenge, I I have some that you know are two years out from challenging, um, and that's great because we can help them along the process. Um, it's a very smooth process. Um, it's very timely because we we have a lot of time to to be able to take care of all of these questions, um, and and that's the way we. We, we love to have it. Um, so once the eligibility um, is determined, of, of course, the organization uh, receives feedback, um, as we've just discussed, uh, so, th so that they can begin to write their achievement report. And, and Joanne touched on this just a moment ago, but that writing of the achievement report is one of the things that our organizations come back to us time and time again and say that was so valuable because it forced them to look at their entire operation in a format 
uh, and the format is uh, the Shingo model, and again, that's described in the application guidelines of how to format this achievement report. But it forced them to begin to look at, well, now we've provided these measures, so what are we doing specifically with our system that is driving those measures, that is driving behaviors to, to make those measures uh, in most cases, you're turning in KPIs to make those KPIs better. And that has been a huge learning experience uh, for organizations. And, and it in itself has provided them um, a lot of feedback. Because if you can imagine, we want you to do this in 50 pages. We want you to tell your story in 50 pages about your transformation and how these systems are driving your measures and the behaviors in your organization. That's not an easy task, um, and it takes a lot of work to narrow down the most important things um, and to not only talk about some of the specific things you're doing, but we want to know, uh, you know, what the intensity level is, what the scope of the transformation is, um, you know, what the roles are that, that managers and leaders and associates are playing in this transformation. So there's a lot of work um, to writing this. Because as you can imagine, one of the, um, if I were to look at, um, you know, some of the achievement reports that I, that I would say um, could have been written better, it, it begins to, to talk to, you know, what's the scope? So we, so we may put in some of the pockets of excellence that we have in our organization, but we didn't give the examiners enough scope to say, this is, um, this is now through our entire organization. It began here and spread through our entire organization. Uh, so examiners need to be able to, to read that report and get a feel for how the entire organization is behaving. And, and it's okay to have um, you know, different places at, at different levels. Like for example, you may have um, part of your um, administrative offices that aren't quite up to speed as much as the operation is at a given point in time. That's okay. Actually, that's quite expected. The question is, where are they and can the examiners see that uh, from the report so that they get a really good view um, of the organization? So this report takes some time to write. It takes more time to write, a lot more time to write than it does to evaluate, and this is why it's important for organizations to get a hold of us um, early on so that they have all the time to write that report. Once and, that report, sorry, go ahead. And one interjection, I think this is really important because of how, how this has evolved over the years. If you remember, you know, go back 10 plus years ago, this was all around just operations and as we have matured and understand all the connections that are out there, the most important thing is in order to be successful at the execution point, it's the integration of the entire business. And so what we look for in that report is, you know, are you just focused in one area and that's it? Or are you really getting your connections and telling us about what you're learning on those connections that you're making so that you're, you're growing from that knowledge? Yeah, that's that's a really important part, Joanne, and and you, you know, and so I, we always get questions about, for example, um, you know, maybe a operation that's a cost center, and the cost center um, does not have any R and D, let's say, for example. So how how do you write a 
write about that and, and how do we assess for that? What do we look for um, examiners? And it's exactly to what Joanne just said, is what are the connection points? Although, although there is no R&D at that facility, there should still be some type of feedback loop from whatever that facility is making or whatever service they're providing to go back to those that are in the R&D to be able to say what's really happening in the operation so that R&D can now be able to take that information. And there, so there should be a feedback loop going back and forth in as close to real time as possible to, to be able to provide that information. And that's the type of thing that examiners would be looking for. Is it just a cost center and there's no feedback whatsoever? Or is there actual feedback that goes, goes back and forth, which would, and if you look at that, that's two different maturity levels, right? So good, good point, Joanne. Um, and that goes to, to all of the support functions, you know, whether they're shared or whether they're actually um, in the facility it, itself. Um, e either way, we're looking for those connections um, on that. So thanks for bringing that up, Joanne. Once, once, we, once we get the achievement report um, in our office, um, the, the, the process goes pretty quickly. It's about 30 days. Um, from the day we get the uh, achievement report till we get feedback uh, back to back to the organization on on what their status is as far as a site visit. So the achievement report goes to a team of examiners. Remember that I said that uh, that team of examiners is approved by the organization, so they know who those examiners are. Um, there's there's usually five of them um, on that team to review that uh, application. At that point. That's when the application fee comes in. It comes with the achievement report. So you can see all of that work beforehand. There's, there's no fee that comes along with that, right? And, and I mean, we've, we've had organizations, um, you know, at all stages say, you know, we've, we've learned a lot more about our organization, for example, about writing this achievement report. I think it's gonna take us another year before we actually wanna turn in the achievement report. Fantastic, that's great because that means that we've learned things about our own organization that are gonna help us move forward. Um, so until the achievement report comes in, there, there are no fees that, that we receive whatsoever. Uh, the fees do come in with the achievement report and that begins the review process uh, of that achievement report. Uh, in, in 30 days, uh, we decide, the actually the examination team decides on whether uh, there will be a site visit or not. Either way, there is feedback to the organization. Um, if, if, for example, a, a site visit is not awarded, then the feedback goes back to the organization and they have up to a year um, to resubmit an addendum uh, because there may be things that, that didn't get put into the report uh, that, would, that would help um, in their case. Um, if that comes back to us, then again, we send it back out to the examiners um, with the, uh, the deeper explanation about uh, uh, some, of, some of the feedback that the examination team sent to them. So in all cases, we're always trying to, to give the organization um, the opportunity to tell their story in the, in, in the best light possible. If a site visit is, sorry, go ahead, Joanne. 
Yeah, and as Sean says, is you do get detailed feedback. So based on what we as an examination team that, that has gotten the achievement report, you get a summation of what we all see, the questions that we would ask or have because we didn't see it. So you get a ton of feedback that allows you to also realize, oh, maybe we didn't articulate that well enough or didn't even think about that bucket or what do we do about this? Yeah, so so this this that becomes an easy separation um, as far as behaviors and measures, right? So, in the case that it's that it's measures, um, you know, measures are measures. You you know, they they usually they can't change, right? They are the, they are the measures, um, but there may be some supporting metrics or explanations that go along with those. So again, we want to give the facility um, every opportunity possible. Um, to be able to provide the the information to the examination team. Um, so if if there is a site visit um, that's awarded, then still, as Joanne said, there's still feedback provided. We call them areas of clarification, um, and this this feedback is given uh, not only to the uh, the organization, but it's also uh, feedback that's given to the uh, team that will be assessing the organization. Um, so there's there's things that the team will be looking for based on the achievement report. There's also things that are provided to the organization so that the organization can prepare certain things that the team will need um, in order to, to do the evaluation. So there's always continual feedback given uh, to the organization. Once a site visit um, is awarded, uh, then the the organization um, has a certain period of time to to be able to uh, do that site visit. So we we give the organization uh, some dates um, to consider. Uh, usually those dates are you know 60 uh, to 120 days. It depends on the organization, uh, but we have to have time to uh, one uh, make sure that we can get a team put together. Um, to be to be able to uh, assess the organization, and second, we want to make sure that that time works well for the organization. Something to keep in mind with that, though, um, no matter what the time frame uh, is in doing it, uh, the the site visit team would expect to see things going on like reorganization of an op of if it's in the case of manufacturing they would expect to see things moving around on the shop floor things being reorganized um, you know we want to see the organization as it actually runs and believe it or not through asking the right questions um, in that we can tell if this is how it actually runs, or if we've done some things to dress things up. Um, we don't want it dressed up. We want it as it actually is working. Um, you know, if things are flipping around on a shop floor, then things are flipping around on a shop floor. That's that's how things get done. That's how things improve. We expect to see that. Actually, we want to see that. Um, so those are not things to be uh, concerned about. It Same is true with having everybody possible present. There will be some people uh, that we won't be able to, to to have there. For example, we may not, we may have a quality manager that's out for some reason. Uh, she may have other obligations somewhere else. Well, that's fine. So that means we talk to the people that work with them. In most cases, it's the people 
uh, it's the associates that we want to be talking with anyway, because that begins to tell us what's happening from the from the management and the leadership side. So I don't know so if there's anything you wanted to add there, Joanne, but. Yeah, so as Sean said, when we come in, you know, prepping for the site visit and the site visit, but very clearly when we come in a site visit, it's not to meet with just the leadership team. Um, we peel all the way down to um, your execution points, regardless of whether they're transactional or whether they're um, making widgets, it doesn't make a difference. We want to know all levels of the organization, all functions of the organization. So as you go to do your application and you have gotten the award, the team lead that is assigned to bring the team out to peel your organization back in, in the two days or so um, actually places calls and has conversations with you because we build with you how we want to divide the tracks over those days. And we're very upfront and, and open around you know, we're looking for connections and conversations so we can assess not only the culture, but the processes and the connection points between the areas. And so if someone's not available and they want to be there, there have been times after meeting with their people, we will actually do a conference call with them so that they're allowed to put their voice in even if they're not there. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Joanne, and and that's that's a really critical part of of understanding um, what the site visit is because it is not an audit. It is about observing things going on. It is about investigating uh, things that are going on. It's about asking a lot of questions. And and if you look at the makeup of your organizations, well, the fact of the matter is, in most organizations most of the people that are there are associates. They're doing processes, they're involved in, 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 in working in the operational part of the business. Again, regardless of whether it's a service or manufacturing or a hospital, most people are associates as, as we would define them. So there's a lot of time spent with associates and down talking on on shop floors or in service areas or in, in in parts of a medical facility but it's not about just listening to to what leadership has to say or where they feel the organization um, has been going hey, and uh, Sean, running... yeah go ahead I'm sorry uh, this is Scott again I got a great question uh, okay from Dominic how, how does the insight assessment fit into uh, the Shingo assessment I knew somebody was going to ask that, and I was just going to say, you know, I know we're running a little bit short on time here, um, so um, I'll finish up with the site visit part of it again by saying there is always feedback given uh, again by the assessment team. Um, they spend the third day on the site doing nothing but writing uh, feedback and and uh, maybe gathering last-minute details. Uh, that they might need. So most of our site visits now are three days, the third day spent um, writing the feedback. Um, regardless of the outcome um, of the challenge, um, we always encourage re-challenges. Um, so if, if, for example, an organization received a silver medallion, uh, you know, two years, we, we usually suggest at least a couple of years to, to make uh, some improvements um, in that. But we're always looking for re-challenges, and we, and we have many organizations that do so because of the rich learning experience um, and the feedback that they get to move their journey forward. 
The insight assessment. This was the other assessment um, that um, I told you there were two assessments. One is the on-site assessment. The insight assessment um, we provide as a resource to anybody that would like to take it. Um, again, it is it, it's on it's a online. It's very economical, um, and it's economical because we want to collect the data. We use this for research, um, and the on-site assessment can be taken um, at any any time during the process. Many people take it, you know, years before they ever want to apply. Some take it and never want to apply. We want people to be able to use our model. To, to move their organizations forward because the real prize is being able to continually deliver better value to your customer. And we understand that. And this is another way in which you can begin to look at gaps in your organization. Um, again, it's online. It's, uh, it, it takes about 20 to 25 minutes. We try to get as many people in the organization um, to, to take this. Um, and then we provide uh, detailed feedback, always against the model, always against some of those benchmarks uh, that we look at. But it begins to expose gaps um, in your organization between leaders, managers, and, and associates, um, and within the, the different parts of the organization uh, that you're working to, to do your transformation in. So insight as, as part of an assessment. So if, if people are, uh, want to take insight. Uh, it's not required at this point. At some point, it probably will become required uh, based on some of the correlations uh, that we're drawing from the research. But right now, it is not required. But if you are in the application process um, and that there's no cost to you. So it's just another resource uh, that you that you can use to begin to look and see how you feel your organization is doing because this is this is your organization uh, telling you you know how the organization is responding to to the transformation uh, that you have. So it's an internal view um, or an internal assessment um, of where you're at versus the on-site assessment, which is an external view. Uh, from people, so both are both are very valuable. Both provide feedback. Um, it can be taken outside of a challenge. Um, it can be taken for many different pieces uh, of an organization, um, and we're happy to work with you um, on that as well. So that's thanks, Dom, for for bringing that up. Finally, after the the on-site assessment, um, within 30 days after that assessment, um, you learn. Um, of what the award status is. Remember that you can go through the whole assessment process and not receive that and not receive an award level. You may not have attained the bronze, silver, or the Shingo Prize level. Again, it's the feedback that's extremely valuable um, to, to organizations, even though we understand that every organization that applies for the prize would, would like to, to receive some level of of recognition, it does happen um, in some cases, very few cases, that that that, uh, that, that is not achieved based uh, on the standards that we have for, for each one. So, um, but always feedback um, and, and that feedback um, is the most valuable part um, of, of that entire process. Uh, we do recognize recipients at our multiple events that, that we have. Uh, some recipients are, are recognized in Europe 
closer to where their operations might be. Um, others in in Latin America and others at the the conference that we'll be having in Atlanta um, here at, at the end of April. So, um, so that's the assessment process in a nutshell. <laughs> There's a lot a lot more to that, um, you know. But again, it is explained uh, in the application guidelines um, that that is available to to everyone. And and please, we are here as a resource always use us as a resource. We welcome the calls. We welcome spending time with you and your organization on the phone and, and discussing any or all parts um, of, of the process that you would like to. Is, it, is there anything you'd like to add to that, Joanne, kind of at, at the end of that, the process there? Yeah, just, just you know, just because you get a, a lot of people go, well, great, I got a site visit, and now what do I show them? What do I do? I put everything in the report. When we work with you a month before coming, we spend the time and answer any questions you have. And truly because the song says, we want you to put your best foot forward. And you are on a journey, and that journey is going to constantly change. And we're very, very much aware of that. So we will help you understand clearly as we try and build the tracks and the connection points and, and tell you exactly, we're looking for these connections. We're looking for this so that there's a clarity and to get everyone comfortable that when we come in, we don't come in and you have to answer these 10 questions and that's, you know, that's what we grade you on. We have a conversation. We peel as we go because we know some things we want to discover, but we want to discover from a standpoint is are we seeing the culture change? Are we seeing the connections? Are we hearing the same things as we go through it? So no one needs to be nervous. We tell them that clearly when we come in is we just, we ask questions. Yeah, great, great, great point, Joanne. And and all and the and the team leads do get uh, in contact with the organization very early on to develop the schedule. Um, again, it is a schedule. Um, it's a detailed schedule, but it's also highly flexible. For example, you know they may have a half an hour to talk with one of the leadership on something. Well, if they get enough in twenty minutes, then they move on and use their time better. Um, talking talking down the line maybe to somebody else or somebody else in that piece of the organization. Um, but it very much uh, is a conversation. Um, and I can tell you after years and years and years of, of, of working with examiners and organizations um, and that the response is generally that it's, it's one of the best experiences uh, that they've had because it is not like an audit. It is a conversation. It is about moving the organization forward. It is about providing feedback, but also keep in the back of your mind, it is about talking about the reality of the organization. And sometimes an organization doesn't always view their reality the same way that people from outside the organization do. So it's very much a learning experience. And sometimes there are hard conversations about things that are going on that leadership may see differently um, than people than other people coming into the organization. But again, a great learning opportunity. Um, you know, especially the organizations that we work with are, are all on this journey and 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 all expect um, us to to see things that they may not be be looking at anymore or because they're too close. Uh, to, you know, to the operation, they do, they just don't see them anymore. Things become normal. Um, that that may may not may may not be should not be normal or 
um, you know, may may not um, have reached that point in in a good light. So, so uh, and, and Sean brings up Sean brings up a very good. I mean, because we've seen this has happened. You don't know what you don't know, right? And the organization's been on a journey for a very long time. You can see that top of the mountain you're going for, and you don't realize that there's a whole other mountain behind it. And we're looking for those. So, you know, if we truly do see a fundamental gap, before we give any basic report out, so we'll give a generic report out at the end of the visit um, with some, you know, high-level points that we see. But we will spend time with the leadership being very frank and honest about what we're seeing and, you know, what we would expect to see over time with the organization so that the organization is learning from it but also internalizing the conversation. Because when a report comes back, it's a 21-plus page report. It's got details in it around where we see gaps, where we see strengths, what's great about the strengths, what will we be looking for. So it, it does help the organization take that next step. And even if you are, you know, you've won the prize, this is a journey. You will, as you have your closed-loop processes, as you learn more, continually improve, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's back to Dom's point about the, the on-site assessment, right? Even if you have received the prize, right, as we all know, we have to keep working on our organizations, um, and we have to keep moving forward regardless of our maturity level. Right, we're constantly checking, we're constantly assessing, we're constantly making sure that we're upholding that level and moving to the next level. And that takes a lot of work um, and that takes constant, um, constant assessment of the behaviors um, and the results that we're getting out of those systems in our organization. So um, I know we're just about out of time. Scott, I don't, I don't know if there's more, more questions. Um, yeah, we're, we're ready. I'm going to pose one more question to both you and Joanne, uh, simply out of time. Uh, but first off, I want to thank you both for your time and perspective today. So before we wrap up, uh, we want to personally invite our audience to join us for the 29th Shingo International Conference, which is, uh, as Sean mentioned, is held right here in Atlanta, uh, a popular destination for many uh, for many associational meetings. Uh, the event's going to run from April 24th to April 28th, and as Sean mentioned, more information can be found at Shingo.org. Uh, Joanne, uh, Sean, what aspects of the Shingo International Conference do you believe attendees value the most? Oh, boy, this, this is a good one. Um, you know, of course, I've got to say, Joanne and Joanne's workshop, uh, because Joanne is Joanne is going to give a talk there, um, you know. But uh, you know, this is a chance to get around organizations that are specifically focused on the shingle model. And when we talk about the shingle model, they're focused on getting the results, getting those results that they're looking for, that they're looking to raise the bar at, and they're looking at their organizations from a behavioral perspective of how are we getting those results? Is the way that we're getting those results sustainable? Because if it is, that makes everybody's job easier. And it certainly leads us to getting better value for the customer. So. This, this, that's the uniqueness, I think, of the Shingo Conference. It's the ability to network with all these organizations um, that are doing it. And, and again, like I, I said at the beginning of the call, they're not doing it by, you know, 
another program or having to put in place, you know, and go tell the team we've got another program. This is not another program. This is not another uh, thing to to put into your your toolbox. This is a way of looking at your organization, looking at the systems that you have in place, and looking at the behaviors that those systems are are driving to make sure that they're sustainable and they're driving the results that you want. We eliminate those those behaviors that, that we don't want and we encourage those behaviors that we do want. And these are all people that are doing it. These are all people that are somewhere in that maturity level of doing it. The other great thing about the way this conference is set up is we have it intentionally set up for the for the level that your organization is at. So we have master tracks and we have executive tracks and we have tracks for folks that are that are just starting out and in, in, in looking at, at all of this. But but you can talk to the people that are doing it. You can talk to the examiners like Joanne that go out and look at organizations, not only their own, because I'm sure she does this in her own organization, but in other organizations and get and get that kind of rich uh, experience from them uh, that's that's hard to get in, in any other single place, um, especially when, when we're talking about, um, you know, the shingle model. I know, what else would you add, Joanne? Well, it, it's about the networking as well. And there's a ton of organizations in multiple industries that are on their journey at different levels. And the conversations you have, I guarantee you, everybody walks away with a nugget, a different way of thinking that they never thought about before somebody to reach out to, to call to say, hey, we met here. Can we talk a little more about this? And you'll be surprised at how much the organizations share what they have because we're all on this together. And even though we're at different points, why recreate the wheel when you've got somebody who's tested and can give you some information and help you to make that next journey or next leap? Yeah, that's, that's a great point because, you know, this isn't about – understanding somebody's proprietary information. This is about building systems that drive that that behavior. And so you'll you'll run into people that are in that are in your same same industry, same field. They may even be your competition. But we're we're not talking about those type of those type of, of proprietary things. We're talking about um, how we build a culture of operational excellence. And that that changes the conversation. It just changes the conversation. And finally, you'll also meet um, at the conference um, the affiliate organizations that work with us. This is how we, we scale up our operation. As you can imagine, at the Shingo Institute, I think we have currently 10 full-time people. That's all we have. So we can only do a certain amount um, of, of the, the training, and all of our training now is done by affiliate organizations. Um, you'll meet many of them there. Um, they work with organizations all over the world to deliver um, our courses and curriculum um, and and begin to network with them also as they are out um, in those in organizations just like yours um, you know that are transforming um, and and becoming sustainable cultures of operational excellence. So I hope to see you there. Um, Joanne and I will be there. Um, and, and we look forward to, to seeing everybody there. If you have questions, please contact Joanne or myself. We're happy to take them on um, and, and answer them. But, but thank you for your time today. It's, it, it's been great to be able to talk to you.
Definitely. And I look forward to uh, uh, Sean and Joanne to my first Shingo conference. So uh, and invite all of our audience members today as well as my fellow Apex members to join us in Atlanta again on April 24th through the 28th for what sounds like a terrific um, four or five days of uh, professional development, best practice sharing, networking, and much, much more. So uh, all the information and registration can be found at Shingo.org. Um, so let's conclude our session today on a few final items. Uh, first, again, the PDF version of the presentation and recording will go out to all of our registrants. Uh, you can also find the recording as a podcast on iTunes. Secondly, if you're in the Atlanta area, we'd welcome you to join us at the next Apex Atlanta dinner and networking meeting on April 18th at UPS World Headquarters. Uh, we're going to be featuring a discussion on logistics and transportation and their role in the end-to-end -end supply chain. Uh, details and registration for that dinner meeting can be found at apexatlanta.org. Uh, next, we hope that you'll tune in for our next Southeast District webinar, where we're going to be featuring two Georgia Tech students and entrepreneurs, Sharu uh, Thomas and Sarthik uh, Srinivas. On April 24th at 12 noon, we're going to be featuring these two innovative minds speaking on the topic of augmented reality in the supply chain. Uh, details on the webinar can be found at Apex Southeast. Org. And as always, feel free to reach out to me if there's anything we can do to serve as a resource for you and your organization. Uh, Joanne and Sean, before we conclude, any final thoughts today? Just just thank you to, to you, Scott, for, for making this available. And, you know, I, I hope we get to do this again. And if anybody has questions, please send them to us. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, thank you for your time again. Uh, we'd like to give a big thanks to our guest speakers, Joanne Dice and Sean Barker, for joining us today. Of course, a big thank you to our audience for participating. On behalf of Apex and the Southeast District, this is Scott Luton concluding today's webinar series event and wishing you a successful week. We hope to reconnect with you again soon, hopefully at the Shingo International Conference in April. Thanks, everybody. See you all there.